Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Osier continue their discussion on Article 19 of the Augsburg Confession on the cause of sin. Today, they're looking at an Old Testament passage in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. All right. Uh, we are in our Old Testament episode on Article 19 of the Augsburg Confession and its apology um, on the cause of sin. The cause of sin, which, uh, if this is not the worst story in the Old Testament... <laughs> I'm just waiting for Adam's top uh, response after we read it. Yeah, <laughs> This is awful. Yes. It's not a good story. It's terrible. And I mean, you got, I, I guess maybe the worst one, uh, the end of Judges is pretty Yeah, I was going to say the end of Judges, yeah. the, the, the guy and his concubine that he quarters her and yeah, sends, dismembers yeah. The, the, yeah. the corpse and the two sisters in Ezekiel. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like yeah. Ezekiel 16 yeah. or whatever. That's yeah. pretty bad. Right. Uh, this is pretty close though. Sure. Some of the darker. Uh, Judah and Tamar. And and that yeah, whole yeah, line true. is pretty ugly. I think in who it is, yeah. in who it is makes it awful as right. well yeah. because of the contrast we have. Can anybody guess what our yeah. story is? I was going to say, we haven't actually said it yet. <laughs> We're talking about David and Bathsheba in Second Samuel 11. Indeed yeah. we are. Indeed we are. What I was just fretting about. Yeah is uh, which artwork I'm going to use for this episode. Because normally I take public domain paintings there's no, off like, of Wikipedia. There's no paintings of a guy on a rooftop looking you over. You should get like a, a picture of one of those rooftop um, pools that they have in some of the, like, the high-rise complexes there in New go. York. We'll do that in Florida. Florida. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, the, the thing about like Renaissance-era paintings is they had much less problem with... Uh, incidental nudity than we do today uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's definitely not not a story you want to google i don't think no. or you know an individual <laughs> images of yeah don't do that for any of our listeners avoid that at for all for reasons costs. we're about to find out right brett right, all right. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. All right. so we're going to read say, this brett? r-rated story from scripture uh second second samuel 11 uh, starting at verse 1 and going through verse 13, I read in Jesus' name. Uh, it says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. 
And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was doing, and how the people were doing, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. And Uriah went out of the king's house, and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and did not go down to his house. When they told David Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark in Israel and Judah dwell in booths, and my lord Joab and the servant of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house and to eat and to drink and lie with my wife? As you live, and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Then David said to Uriah, Remain here today also, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. And David invited him, and he ate in his presence and drank, so that he made him drunk. And in the evening he went out to lie on his couch with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. Uh, here ends the reading, and I'm sure we'll pick up and flesh out the rest of the story from there. Yeah, so let's just get it out of the way now. From that point in time, David crafts a letter that instructs Joab to put Uriah on the front lines of the city they're besieging yeah. and then withdraw everyone, so he's the sole target, and obviously Uriah gets killed in battle, and then uh, Joab sends word that he was successful in this endeavor, and Bathsheba mourns for her husband, and then David takes her as his wife immediately. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing makes me feel dirty just reading this yeah, passage. It's right. awful. Um, There's so many layers. So yeah. the first thing I want to get out of the way, and I've taught this passage in Bible study in my congregation. First thing I want to get away is I'm going to tell every single male teacher in the church for the last several hundred years uh, that if you have blamed Bathsheba, for what went down here, uh, please stop talking yeah. and go away. Uh, we the text does not give us permission to blame Bathsheba for any of this, and blame, even blame is with David. Yeah, even if she would have had fault in this, even if she was a co-conspirator, the focus is on David. Theologically speaking, the focus of the scripture here, and you have to deal with the whole reality that at any point she would have refused. She's refusing the king. Like and he can have people killed, as mm-hmm. is demonstrated in yeah. this passage. Yeah, you have political power wrapped up in this story. And, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I'm very uh, well, not comfortable, but I'm very insistent that we identify Bathsheba as a victim here mm-hmm. and not as a co-conspirator right. or not as some uh, sultry temptress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, getting David to go good, astray. Yeah, good word. Yeah. There's so many things to start with, I think. I mean, the, just the first thing, you know, and I've heard this things made of this before in the first verse. In the spring of the year when the kings go out to battle, mm-hmm. David was remaining at Jerusalem. David did not go out yeah, to battle. Yeah, he didn't. And there's there's something there that vocationally, it seems, that he failed in. Vocation. To, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> it's Whoa. been a while. It's Nicely been a while. played. Yeah. Dust it off. But vocationally, yeah. that was his calling, it seems. Okay, so he's he's not uh, he he's starting this off by neglecting his vocation. He's forgetting what it is that he's been called to do to some degree, right? Um, and then, and then you see with the idleness, right? So he arose from his couch in the afternoon and then went onto the roof, which you know, 
other than the fact he might have, you know, supposed to be at war. Uh, that's not a, a big thing in and of itself. But then he goes and he sees this woman. Doesn't look away. Seems looks, like. Yeah, he looks and he lingers. He looks, he lingers, and he, he lusts the concupiscence. Now I can't say it. Concupiscence. <laughs> there we are. Is, is uh, seen in <laughs> its narrow there, sense yeah. here as well. The desire that he has. I mean, it's just, it starts so dark. But it's I think it starts, we, we have to look at this. His vocation. When he was not, as a as a believer here, right? He's a man after God's own heart at this point. God has appointed him, anointed him as king. And vocationally, he didn't need to impress God with this, but he had a calling and he neglected it. Mm. And it opened the door to some of these uh, other things that we see. He had a calling and he neglected it. And that breakdown in his calling, the dominoes start falling from there Mm -hmm. because then a soldier under his care as the literal commander in chief, he murders as an act of convenience, trying to find a way to cover up his sin that he's feeling guilty about. And so instead of loving his neighbor, he's most directly hating his neighbor. Mm -hmm. But the other reality in that David stays in Jerusalem is the whole point of what we talked about with concupiscence, concupiscence, (laughs) did it again. Why is that a hard word? I don't know. Uh, Concupiscence. the The whole point is that we own our sin. And what happens is because we're already bent towards sin, uh, sin becomes of an opportunistic nature Mm -hmm. for us. That if you provide the opportunity to sin, you're going to sin. That verse in uh, Genesis Genesis 4, you know, sin is crouching at the door. you must you, yeah. may, you must master mm-hmm. it rule, or it will, over, rule yeah. over it or it will rule or over you. you. Right. Yeah. And likely, and, and this is, what ifs don't help us, but likely if David goes to war, he doesn't have an affair with Bathsheba because the opportunity isn't there. Now, that's not to say David was sinless or anything like right. that. It's but, just to say that there'd probably be another opportunity that would come along well, yeah, Possibly. The, the lesson here, or at least one of the lessons here, is that David provided occasion and opportunity to sin, and what did he do? Even as a man after God's own heart, he sinned. Mm-hmm. We should not be surprised that this happened. Right. No. Uh, one of the, the tie-ins, I think, to the Article 19 is the nature of, you know, where does it come from? Looking back to Satan being the father of lies and everything like that. And I think, again, going back to vocation, I think that is one way... I mean, I think that's from the very beginning what we saw, right? Adam and Eve, they had, they had uh, the calling to rule over the, the garden. Mm-hmm. And they had specific parameters in which that was to be done. And they didn't do it. And again, we see it. We see it here, and then we see him perverting, like you said, other people's callings as well. Uriah, as a soldier, should have been out there, was not. He called him back, got him drunk, uh, got him. You know, he he took him away from his wife. All of these things committed. You know, ultimately. Um, you know, Joab is involved. and it, It's a dark, dark story. Yeah, it's it's the type of story that, you know, once you start down the path of sin, you feel like you have to add another sin on top of it. And, you know, I, I think I joked one time in my congregation that this, this passage, this story, it feels like David is playing uh, Ten Commandments bingo or something, of, you know, just what? trying to, <laughs> trying to no. uh, knock them all off, yeah. In reality, he's acting out the last half of Romans chapter one, Yeah, where, right. where you have that repeated phrase, phrase, and God gave them up, and God gave them up, and God gave them up. At each opportunity David would have for repentance, he sins again, hmm. increasing his guilt, right? So he's on the roof. He's walking around in the cool of the evening instead of doing the hard act of war. Uh, and he looks 
and he lingers at Bathsheba. He could repent right there. Why did he have to let it linger? <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> I, I figured you'd like that one, uh, Jason. No, yeah. that song stuck in my head. Good job. Yeah. Uh, but he could have repented right there. He could have gone inside and said, Lord, I, I'm sorry I did an unholy thing. Right. Please forgive me. And he didn't. Instead, he called Bathsheba in. Now, you, you have all these other things. Bathsheba's going through ritual purity as he calls her, right? And so he's violating her holiness to call her to the to the palace. Uh, then he has the affair with Bathsheba, and she comes, and she's pregnant. Again, David should have repented. Mm-hmm. Instead, he calls Uriah off the lines of battle and tries to cover it up, hoping that he will sleep with his wife and it will look like she's pregnant by his child. And by Uriah's child instead of David's child, and that doesn't work. Then David gets Uriah drunk, and that doesn't work. And then David kills Uriah. And I think it's it's important to note at this stage uh, Uriah's role in David's kingship. Uh, he was one of David's mighty men, and he was a, right? he was a Gentile, and he was okay. So, but the nature of the the. The intimacy that David would have had, this would have been one of his close associates, one of his, a guy who, as we see, would lay down his life for David, you know, and he was in his, and his fellow men. And I mean, he he was a good guy and a close friend. This wasn't some random neighbor. Like this was his buddy's wife, if you will, you know, and and just... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I keep noticing these details that no, get darker yeah. and darker. We, we, I haven't read it this closely in a while. We, we we build on it and we build on it. You're right. Like Uriah is a part of the king's private bodyguard. Like when David goes to hang out with the boys, Uriah is there to do it. Uh, one of the most valiant warriors in the army. Uh, and like I said, a Gentile. And he comes out of this account more righteous than the king after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it just adds and it ads and it snowballs and yeah, and right. we we stop for two reasons because we know David is described in scripture as a man after God's own heart. And the first reason we stop is because we're no better. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And that I was gonna say there's there's I'm sure all of us can share a story, you know, if we'd be willing to share of times where we sin and we feel like we need to keep on the track to hide our tracks and and uh yeah, end up adding sin upon sin before grace upon grace comes to us. Well, and, and, and you run into this thing where like you tell a lie so much that you start to believe it yourself, right? And you, you start hmm. to sell out for making that lie true to, to, to protect yourself or, or whatever justification you give. And and so it's, you know, there's, there's a little bit, of, there's a lot of bit of truth in that D.L. Moody phrase there, but for the grace of God go I. But in this case, the man has the grace of God and he still falls. Mm. And, and we ought to be aware of that. We, we ought to be aware of, of the taint that celebrity Christian culture has had on the witness of the church because of all the prominent leaders in the last 10, 15, 20 years that have fallen because of public sins like this. But, but the other end of this... Uh, that we can get to uh, because of the theology is that David repents eventually. Mm-hmm. Eventually. It, it's interesting to me the, the length of time. I don't think scripture gives us a very specific uh, time frame. Roughly in, nine in months. This, but yeah, <laughs> but we're talking at least nine months. That's what we know. Uh, where it's almost like he was blind to it. 
You know, it was, he was blind to this reality. And then you have his, you know, the prophet Nathan come. I love this story. I mean, it's just fascinating. So he, he, tells David this story, right, about this guy who had a nice little lamb, and he loved this <laughs> lamb, and some rich guy came and took yeah. the lamb and slayed it for his feast. And David is just, you could see David just getting, like, wringing his hands, like, I'm going to kill this idiot. You know? <laughs> what? How and, and, and dare he? Yeah. <laughs> who in the heck, to borrow from Mark Driscoll, <laughs> do you think you are? You know, but I don't. I can't imagine Nathan having to have that conversation. Yeah, that's an awkward one when it's the guy who could kill you if you wanted. Uh, but yet, you know, it's interesting that when the word of God goes forth mm-hmm. and the law goes, and we can question the time frame all day long, but when the law goes out and does its work, what does David do? He repents. He repents. He 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 is grieved over his own sin. He's grieved over his own sin, and then he turns to the one against you, you only have I sinned and yeah. that was wrong in your yep. sight. And not to say that he didn't recognize his sin against Uriah or Bathsheba or any, any of the others, right. but ultimately he saw his sin against God. Yep. He saw where his, uh, the Satan's role in his, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that aspect and that, that concupiscence in his life, right? And turns to the one who can re- rescue him. And, yeah. and the reality of this for us today is that David after all this had resolved itself, remained a man after God's own heart. Mm. He remained God's man, which should cause us to pause and reflect that it wasn't David's piety mm-hmm. that made him a man after God's own heart. It was David's faith. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. Yep. And and I think that's that's where we need to get with this uh, uh this article of the Augsburg Confession is is to, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, just own up to our sin yep. and see that we're the cause of it from within ourselves, our sin nature. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I would just preach this past Sunday on the text where um, the Apostle Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the foremost of sinners. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> one of the quotes I found in, in doing that is, it's not that he examined the whole scope of history and, and everybody's uh, sin and, and kind of measured himself up against that, uh, but that he was aware of his own sin. Mm-hmm. And and that's and that the grace of Christ is able to bust through that and uh, to forgive us. Yeah, the, the reality of grace and forgiveness and of sin and repentance, is, and, and, and we're really just going to hit all the high points of this article in doing it, God is not responsible for your sin. Yeah. God does not cause sin. Uh, Satan would like to be responsible for your sin. He wants you to sin, but you are responsible for your sin. And in that way, you are the chief of sinners. Right. Bathsheba is not responsible for it. Yeah. The Bathshebas of the world aren't responsible. The, yeah. Ur- the, the Uriahs of the world aren't responsible. You own your sin. But at the moment when you come to terms with you own your sin and you are crushed under the weight of that reality, that is the moment where God desires to meet you with the gospel. That is the moment where God desires to to lavish upon you his goodness and his grace and his forgiveness. Because again, as we stated in the previous episode, your sin has been dealt with. And in our case, your sin was dealt with even before you were born because Christ in history allowed himself to be nailed to a cross in your place that your sin would be punished. And at the cross, Christ takes all of your sin, makes it his own, 
Christ takes all of his perfect obedience and his righteousness and he gives it to you freely. And every single time God looks at you who in faith trust in Christ, every single time God sees Jesus instead of you. And that's the reality of the gospel. And that is why it is necessary for us as preachers and us as believers to understand the impact of sin and to confess sin and to repent. I would say, I know this is more, I mean, we're conversational in this, but I, I don't directly speak to the listener very often, nor do we. But I think if you are out there and you're listening mm-hmm. and you're hearing this and, and you're being called out through God's law in, in his, uh, the proclamation of that law, if you're being called out on sin, maybe there's something there. Uh, the, the answer to this is confess it. Confess it as such and confess it to to your, your pastor would be great. Uh, and, and sometimes the, the sins are great. Sometimes the consequences, and we see David had consequences and then for the rest of his life, for the rest of his life, there are consequences for this. But the thing that can be there in this repentance for you is that you can be forgiven and you can be right before God because of what Jesus has done for you. Amen. Amen. That's a great, uh, great word to end this episode on. And uh, yeah, and I guess I would add, kind of going off of what you said, Adam, is is you can reach out to us uh, too. You can uh, send us email, uh, find us on social media and interact. Uh, we'd love to continue con- conversing with you on this. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and Pastor Adam continue their discussion on Article 19 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at a New Testament passage. For the latest from the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.